0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the Style That Binds Us podcast. Today we are having dermatologist Dr. Hadley King back on our show to discuss summer skin tips. We have had Dr. Hadley on the podcast before to discuss all the skincare and procedure questions you've been wanting to know, and we're going to link that in the show notes. Dr. Hadley is a board-certified dermatologist, and she specializes in general medical and surgical dermatology. She is also a clinical instructor of dermatology at Cornell. She graduated magna cum laude from Harvard with a degree in biochemistry. Mm -hmm. Hadley, our brains could not be different, so be more different. (laughs) I'm so happy for you that you are skilled in that area. You then (laughs) received your MD from Columbia. You trained at Greenwich Hospital and you are affiliated with the Yale University School of Medicine. You completed your... Dermatology Residency at Cornell. Thank you, Dr. Hadley, for being here. Thank you guys for having
1: me. I'm excited to to get to talk to you again.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, we are thrilled to have you and we're also so thrilled to be hearing that you've just started your own practice. So we can't wait to hear all about that. So Summer Skin, here we are in June and we want to make sure that we are Getting to experience and have fun in the sun, but still keep ourselves safe and be thoughtful and mindful. So, I'm hearing a lot about mineral or chemical sunscreen. So, will you give us a sunscreen 101?
1: Absolutely, but I'm going to start with what I think is really the most important take home point, and that is that the right sunscreen for you is the one that you will wear. And I think that is the most important message. Um, mm-hmm. I can go more into you know mineral versus chemical for sure, but the most important is choose the one that you will wear and wear it. So um, we do break them down. So um, mineral sunscreens are things that um, have zinc oxide and or titanium dioxide, and they work by physically forming a layer on top of the skin that deflects and scatters light so it does not penetrate into the skin. That is in contrast to chemical sunscreens, which are basically everything else, but you're going to see um, on the label, you'll see things like oxybenzone, octinoxate avobenzone, octosalate, octocrylene, and homosalate. Basically, everything that's not zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. So these are things that get absorbed into the skin. And then when UV light comes in, there's a chemical reaction that changes that UV radiation to heat that then gets released from the skin. So it works in a different way. The reason that this has become a question is that some studies have shown that we that our skin absorbs these chemical ingredients and question of, okay, so if we absorb them, are they doing anything harmful while they're there? And mm-hmm. there are some studies we have that show that they could affect our endocrine system, for example. Um, but we just don't have a ton of data there yet. So, you know, we we still know that UV is a proven carcinogen. And so the sunscreen you'll wear is the right one. But if you want to be as cautious as possible, then my recommendation is to stick with non nano mineral options. Also with chemical sunscreens, we know that some of the ingredients may be harmful for coral reefs and other marine life. So um, sticking with the mineral options is good. And then we also talk about non-nano because even with the mineral options, if they're small enough, so nano-sized particles, then we might absorb those and we have to, again, wonder about safety. So look for non nano Zinc and titanium mineral sunscreen options, if you want to be as conservative as possible.
2: I had no idea. I just thought it somehow created a layer that blocked the sun or something. I didn't realize all of those things. But what's interesting now is it seems like all the different brands are making mineral and chemical.
1: That's right, and because they know that there's demand from from different people for different types, and 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 one reason that um, you know that both types are out there is because traditionally the mineral sunscreens Mm -hmm. have been less elegant, so Mm -hmm. you know pastier, a little harder to spread, maybe some white cast, and um, and so then people didn't really love that type of sunscreen, and they wanted the chemical ones. Honestly, now they've made so many developments um, with the technology of mineral sunscreens that even the non nano mineral sunscreens, some of them are just beautifully formulated so that you don't get that white cast and they're moisturizing and wow. light. So there are lots of options out there. You know, if you're super, super pale or if you have darker skin, you may still feel like you tend to get that white cast if it's. Uh-huh. Um, non-tinted mineral and so then the chemical one might be a better choice for you but there are lots of options out there
2: so interesting i'm looking at one brand right now that has been sent to us and there's the mineral sunscreen and then the the other one they call essential sunscreen and then this smaller one that says non-nano mineral sunscreen they know
1: know, they know what people are looking for yes
2: (laughs) interesting yeah all right, well, that's fascinating. So mainly I'm seeing 30 and 50 now when we talk about SPF. How do we know which one to use? I know we start with which one we would actually wear, but does that really matter? And how often, like if you're putting it on on a regular day under your foundation, let's say, how do you reapply it during the day?
1: So I do recommend looking for broad spectrum SPF 30 or higher. Okay. Above 30, you're not getting a lot of increasing protection. It's marginal improvement past thirty, so so you don't really have to look for over thirty. The mm-hmm. advantage of, of higher numbers can be that they're just kind of thicker formulations and they might stay on better. Um, so if you like them, great. But uh, but really, thirty or higher is great. Make sure that they're um, broad spectrum, meaning that they protect from both UVA and UVB. If they are mineral, they are automatically broad spectrum. If they're chemical just read the label and make sure it says that because they have to do the right combination of chemicals in order to get that broad spectrum protection. And as far as reapplying, yes, we are supposed to reapply um, at least every two hours and after swimming or sweating. And yeah, during the day that may seem daunting. However, we have lots of great options for that. So there are um Outer sunscreens, I think, can be a really nice way to reapply over makeup um, because that way you don't have to mess up your makeup Mm -hmm. Um, or there are even like um, mists that you can reapply with. I I feel like sunscreen brands are making that easier and easier for us to do.
2: Great. Great. So even if you're working like in an office and it's a normal work day, you should reapply halfway through the day or?
1: Yeah, you know, if you're if you're sitting near a window where you're getting yeah. natural light, um, yeah. UV does penetrate through windows, so it is reasonable okay. to reapply. Um, and then, of course, you know, even if you're in a, a a room that doesn't get natural light, then reapply before going outside for your lunch break or, or at the end of right. the
2: day. Okay. Do you have a favorite brand?
1: Um, I have a few. A couple of brands that I think have just done a really nice job of um, formulating products that people like are Supergoop uh-huh. and Kula. Um, I think they're just very um, customer friendly. Um, uh-huh. And then some of my personal favorites, um, I, I the tinted mineral non-nano sunscreen that I wear on an everyday basis is from Elastin. It's their Hydro uh-huh. Product and it's it's it's. I think it's just a really nice product and it takes the place of makeup for me. So, um, so just a part of my everyday routine. Um, for non-tinted options, I particularly like the uh, sheer mineral one from Brush On Block. They're they're known for their powder sunscreens, but actually, I really like this. Um, they have a new um, moisturizing non-tinted one that I think is lovely. And at Color Science also has some very nice um, non-tinted as well as tinted options.
2: I can't ever tell when I use my Color Science one if the powder is actually getting on your face.
1: Yeah, I think it can take a little bit of getting used to the the powder products. I tell people to test it on the back of their hand. And if you, you kind of have to buff it on. And mm-hmm. so, you, you know, like as if you're applying a fair amount of powder mm-hmm. and you'll be able to see the difference in the finish of skin that's coated or not coated. So okay. you should get used to what it looks like. And you'll know if you're if it's if you're getting enough on.
2: OK, and do you. Like go in circles, swirl it, or do you pop it? Sort of pop, pop, pop all over your face.
1: I kind of more like circles. Like I, I go back and forth a little bit. Yeah, like I okay. Make sure it's buffed on and no skip
0: areas. Yeah.
2: Okay. Thank you. That's good information.
0: Yes. Will you give us some summer skin tips? Yes.
1: So I think that sunscreen is definitely the number one most important thing to think about. And, you know, of course, we're supposed to be doing this 365 days a year all the time, but it becomes even more important, of course, during during the summer and when we're spending more time outside. And it's great to combine that during the day with topical antioxidants also, because studies have shown us that wearing both topical antioxidants and sunscreen protects our skin better than either one alone. So um, there are some products that combine them. Um, They have antioxidants with SPF. And so then your your work is done. But otherwise, it's easy to layer an antioxidant serum. So the most common is going to be a vitamin C serum, but there are other options as well. Um, And then make sure your SPF is coming after that. So that's a great regimen for every morning and during the day. And then in general, you know, during the, the summer months, there the, the temperature is warmer, the humidity is higher, and so we can use lighter products. You may be able to back off on the occlusive ingredients in your moisturizers, for example, and use more humectants and emollients um, because if you're using the same heavy moisturizers that you need during the winter, they just really may feel too heavy during, during the warm months.
2: That's really um, good to know because vitamin C – Like, I didn't know if that would, some things make your skin more like susceptible to sun, right? Like retinols and things like that.
1: That's true. Yeah. Any, anything that exfoliates. So that any hydroxy acids, also retinols, because they increase the cell turnover, these things can make you more sun sensitive. So you have to be really cautious about that. But yeah, the antioxidants like vitamin C, ferulic acid, vitamin E, lots of others too. Those, those are protective.
2: That's really, this is some really great information. Great.
1: (laughs) Good. Another thing I will say is that during the warm months, our skin is not as dry. So we can tolerate using more actives. So, for example, hydroxy acids and retinols it's going to be easier to tolerate those things during these warmer months when our skin isn't as dry because we won't get, it will be less likely for the skin to get irritated. Mm -hmm. But you just have to be cautious about the fact that that will make you more sun sensitive. So you just have to be very good about sun production.
2: Okay, that's wonderful. I think you've kind of answered this, but how should we change our skincare routine during the summer?
1: Yeah, so make sure you're doing that antioxidants and SPF, Right. Every day, lighter moisturizers, um, gel-based moisturizers have gotten really popular in the last few years. People like the way they feel. So those are going to be more humectants and emollients and lighter on the occlusives. And that can work well when the humidity is, is higher. And then you may be able to tolerate um, stronger actives. So for example... I increase my retinoid. I use a, a gentler one during the winter months or else I get irritated. And during the summer months, I do use a stronger one, but I'm very careful with my sun protection.
2: Right. Great information. Again, I had no idea about any of this. I mean, I didn't know that you could improve, you know, increase your retinoid just a little bit in the summer because your skin, you know, now it makes sense. And then I also love the idea of combining these two things, the antioxidant and the SPF, to do something you know, even more effective than either alone. That's wonderful.
0: Yes. Will you talk more about what is a humectant and an emollient?
1: Yes. In general, when we're talking about an ideal moisturizer, it's going to have three components, humectants, emollients, and occlusives. So humectants are things like hyaluronic acid and glycerin, things that, attract water, and so they're going to hydrate the skin. But they have to be used in conjunction with emollients and occlusives or else that water won't stay in. So emollients are things that support the skin barrier. So those are going to be things like ceramides, triglycerides, fatty acids, cholesterol, squalane, a lot of these ingredients that we see on, on, on labels um, and, and their job is to support the skin barrier, help with that membrane fluidity. So that's going to um, keep the skin looking soft and healthy. And then occlusives are going to be oils and waxes that prevent what we call transepidermal water loss. So they, they physically block the loss of water from, from the skin. So those are going to be things like petrolatum, beeswax, um, so ideally, your moisturizer will have a combination of these three. But like I said, in, in the winter you may need more occlusives, and during the summer you may need, you won't need the occlusives as much because the the air is more humid, so you don't lose as much moisture mm-hmm. to, to the air.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, that was fabulous. Thank you for answering that, telling us about the Ideal Moisturizer. And I'm wondering, what is the proper way to wash your face? Do you love a double cleanse? What should we be doing? Yeah.
1: So I think some of this is going to be personal preference. So if you are someone who wears, um, tends to wear um uh, heavier makeup, and um, especially like any oil-based makeup or waterproof makeup, then you are going to want to start with um, a product that's more oil-based. So maybe a cleansing balm or a cleansing oil or just a creamy cleanser, something that has enough oil in there to help break down anything that's that's on the skin. If you're super dry, you may feel like that's sufficient. If you're not, then you might want to follow that with a water-based cleanser. And so that's that's a double cleanse, right? You're starting with something more oil-based, and then you're moving to something more water-based. And then if you're someone who tends to have dry skin, then just a, a creamy cleanser, one step may be enough. If you're someone who doesn't wear a ton of makeup, but you tend to be oilier, not dry, then one foaming cleanser can be enough. So... I do not think a double cleanse is necessary, but it really depends, you know, on your skin type and what products you're using. I tend to have oilier skin, and I don't wear a ton of makeup, so usually just one foaming cleanser I'm happy with. Mm-hmm. However, I like to exfoliate at least a couple of times a week, and the exfoliators I use are often in more of a moisturizing base. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that residue feel. So then I do do a double cleanse. But my first mm-hmm. step is actually the exfoliator. And my second step would be my my um, foaming cleanser. So that's how I do it.
2: Okay. That sounds great. Sometimes when I have washed my face, which a lot of times I'm too lazy to do that. I just use a cleansing <laughs> cloth. But Even if I do wash my face and then I use a toner, you can tell there's, you know, there's some stuff that, Comes up on the cotton ball.
1: That's that's right, and and that you know that's pretty normal, and that's another way that you don't have to do a double cleanse. Is if then you're following with a toner that kind of can complete removing any any leftover residue, then that that also works. Oh, okay, uh, yeah,
2: okay, good. I thought maybe that was just showing that I hadn't washed my face well enough, but if that <laughs> will suffice, that's great. That that makes sense. Yes. All right. And this is something that, especially since I've moved to New York, I cannot believe how pale I am. You and I have spent a lot of time in uh, Perdido Key. (laughs) And, you know, we've had certainly, you know, been around the sun more. So now I am like so pale and I would love to have, you know, a healthy summer glow, but I can't figure out what that would be. The spray tan, Don't feel natural, and then any kind of sun is scary, and you can't put bronzer all over your body. I, I just, I'm at a loss.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I think that some of this is just reframing what healthy skin looks like, right? Because remember that there is no such thing as a healthy tan. Mm -hmm. Tanning is a defense mechanism used by your cells when the DNA is getting damaged. So there's no such thing as a healthy tan. There's no such thing as a, a glow if what you mean by glow is tan, but there are certainly other ways of having beautiful, healthy looking skin. So yes, the options you bring up are true. Yeah. Bronzers can be great. Also, These self tanners, dihydroxyacetone is is the active ingredient used in those. Those are safe um, for the skin as long as you're not getting them on mucosal membranes or um, inhaling them. So, a spray tan is okay as long as you don't inhale or get them on mucosal membranes, Um, but on the skin, it's fine. Um, So, those are options. But, you know, other options I would say that have gotten popular over the last few years are, are these ideas of just really. Dewy skin. So sometimes I think it's called glass skin or dewy skin. There are different terms that have been used for it. But the idea is, is using a lot of humectants to hydrate the skin as much as possible, which plumps it and makes it look dewy. Sometimes these are combined with um, slightly shiny ingredients, like nothing, nothing that, not like glitter, but just a yeah. very subtle sheen that just makes us look glowy without a tan. So I think those are all great options that do not require UV radiation or, you know, spray tans or anything like that if we're not interested in doing that.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And things like those tan towels, that's the same thing? Yeah. So I think that'll be more like the dihydroxyacetone, which I think that's just a convenient way of self-tanning because you kind of helps you, ensure that you're putting it on evenly and kind of exfoliating at the same time. So you get an even color. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because self-tanning can be a little tricky. You can get.
2: Oh, it's awful.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love that
2: idea of dewy skin. That's nice.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I, I think we've done a really nice job with products like that. One sunscreen product that I will, um, recommend is from supergoop it's called their glow screen and it is a chemical based uh sunscreen so even though i I almost always use mineral ones that is one chemical one that i do sometimes use because i love the glow that it gives me so it's it's tinted but it also is just very glowy so i'll use it all over sometimes or if i have another sunscreen on then i'll just use it as a highlighter and it's it's beautiful i think oh great
0: Mm, I have that mom do you have that no we, oh, okay I don't, I don't know why I have it but I just have a small one so we can try that out okay Hadley what is a mucosal membrane <laughs> lips
1: certainly inside the mouth inside the nose in the eyes genital area if we're just getting an all-out spray tan <laughs> um, <so laughs> those are areas you would want to avoid um, with, with the self tanner. And you don't want to inhale them because we we don't know if they're safe in the lungs.
0: Okay. And then we've also been having some interesting weather. And Hadley, I was outside at an event on Tuesday from 5 to 7 p.m. on a rooftop. So what Uh, are they saying? When you're inhaling, was I inhaling like basically cigarette smoke?
1: Yeah, there can be a lot of free radicals and all that smoke, air pollution for sure. So yes, we can inhale it. It it can also affect our skin. So uh, it is good to wear a mask if you have to be out in it, use an air purifier inside Mm -hmm. and cover your skin as much as possible. Wear antioxidants and sunscreen and um, protective clothing and then change your clothing when you get inside and shower, um, wash any exposed areas. Wow. I didn't do any of that. You know, I think... Living in the city, we're always dealing with some level of air pollution, right? So it's not a a bad thing to be aware of. And then otherwise, it's going to depend on wildfires, which may continue to increase with global warming and weather patterns. So unfortunately, it might be something that we have to think about.
2: On a good day, there's pollution outside, you know, and it's hard to really believe that we're getting free radicals or whatever on our faces, but A lot of times just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. That's right.
0: So that was the first time that I've ever heard in my entire life. There is no such thing as a healthy tan. So will, you, will you say that again? What did you just say? I'm not thrilled about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. No such thing as a healthy tan. It is literally a defense mechanism when your cells are getting damaged. So, you know, I think sometimes people think that if they get a slow, gradual tan without a burn, then that's still healthy. But it's really not true. You know, sun damage as well as risk for many types of skin cancer, comes from lifetime and cumulative UV exposure. So it doesn't take a burn. It's just that lifetime cumulative exposure.
0: Oh, my goodness. So as a dermatologist, how do you go about living your life? Obviously, we know how you (laughs) do your sunscreen on your face, but you grew up at the beach. I know. And I do regret
1: some of my... (laughs) <laughs> earlier <beach> behaviors, <laughs> but now that I know better, I, um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good. So, so yeah, on a, on an everyday basis, I, I protect the exposed areas. So my face and my neck and the backs of my hands, I try to wear protective clothing, um, as much as possible, like long sleeves and, and long pants and I avoid peak hours And I seek shade. So even when I'm walking to work, I walk on the shady side of the street as much as possible. I wear sunglasses that shield my eyes from UV. And I definitely wear a lot of broad-brimmed hats.
0: (gasps) Oh my gosh. Mom, do you do that?
1: (laughs) Well, I don't do all of it, but
2: but (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's definitely good to, to think about. Like she said, the more we know, the more we will do better. Taking this much more seriously.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's it's just, it's just good to think about when when we're spending more time outdoors, especially so mm-hmm. during the, during the summer months, when we're outside, more think about wearing protective clothing. Think think about getting some some stylish hats that you're not going to. Yeah you know, be embarrassed to wear in public, get some great ones that you love. And so you'll be excited to wear them in public.
2: Yes. I was happy about that one. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm thinking about the protective clothing when it's so hot outside, but I know they're made, you know, with wicking and everything else, but the hats are, that's a fashionable way to take care of things.
1: <laughs> it yes. Is. I think that like that, the brands that make UPF clothing so that's clothing that's actually rated for how how well it protects your skin from sun exposure they're getting better they're getting more stylish so there are there are nice options out there and i think it's it's you know it actually is cool now to wear a rash guard for example so that you're wow. protecting your shoulders and arms yeah
0: oh i'm thinking of a fabulous shop section we're going to put together mom <laughs> are you <laughs>
2: sure 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 great idea Dr. Hadley, what is the difference in UPF versus SPF?
1: So um, it's just how they test the the sun protection. So SPF is is how they um, how they measure for for sunscreen. So um, be it you know cream or spray or or liquid sunscreens. Versus UPF is is how they test and measure for uh, for for clothing for fabric.
2: Oh, okay. Didn't know that either.
0: Okay, Hadley, I did a bunch of mass one day and then I got, uh, I thought it was a pimple, but it was really a cyst. It's like you can feel a hard knot. What is that? And it takes so long. It's so aggravating. Yes. It sounds like inflammatory
1: acne, which yes, there's enough inflammation that it can be tender and can feel hard and it can take a long time to go away. So, um, if you're just getting one every once in a while, then a great way of dealing with that is actually to go to your dermatologist for a cortisone injection, because Mm -hmm. that will make it better very quickly in less than 24 hours, you'll notice improvement. Um, so that can be helpful. If you're getting a lot of them, then you may need to see your dermatologist to discuss options. Um, there are hormonal options or, um, options like, um, Accutane or isotretinoin, um, and there's even, there's even a new laser that's great for treating acne. So, so lots of options you can discuss with your dermatologist. And any way to prevent them? Why did that happen? It can just happen. So often it's hormonal, um, stress can certainly be a factor as well. For mm-hmm. some people, uh, diet can contribute. So if, if you strayed from your regular diet and had something that was higher in refined carbs, like high glycemic index and um, high fat, then that, that also can be a trigger.
0: Okay. Well, the next question is how to prevent summer breakouts. It gets so hot. We're sweating. We're wearing makeup. SPF. What? We're clogging our pores up. <laughs> so
1: make sure that all of your products are non-comedogenic which means that they're formulated with ingredients that are not likely to clog up your pores and contribute to breakouts. So, you know, those lighter moisturizers, you may need heavier ones in the winter, but you can usually use lighter ones during the summer, make sure they're non-comedogenic. And that goes for body products as well, body moisturizers, and even hair products. So if you're using um, heavy oil products um, that have potentially comedogenic oils in them, like coconut oil for your hair, then you know our hair touches our face, our neck, our upper back, and you can end up getting breakouts from that as well. And then you um, make sure to be washing, cleansing the skin, um, particularly after sweating, after workouts. Take your makeup off before sweaty workouts, if possible, um, as well. And um, we can use topical products that help, um, things like salicylic acid and benzoyl peroxide and retinoids. All of these things can help to keep our pores clear.
0: And then I have bangs, like you were saying, the hair product. So I feel like I have these teeny little white bumps, which are frustrating. (laughs)
1: So there are lots of hair products that are not commutogenic. So, um, so just make sure that you're not using anything that, that's um, heavier oil-based. But you know there are plenty of oils that are not comedogenic. I like jojoba. I like argon. These are things that still have great texture but shouldn't clog your pores. Or you can use non-oil-based products as well. Um, so lots of styling products are, are still okay that, that sh- should not. Hopefully, won't contribute to acne.
2: So you look at the back, like on the back of the label for something that says non-comedogenic?
1: Yeah, it's helpful if it's labeled. If it's not labeled, then you can just read the ingredients. And if, for example, if if coconut oil is, is high on the ingredient list, then I would avoid that one if you're prone to breakouts. Okay.
0: And what are these little bumps? They're actually on my cheeks too. <laughs> Do they kind of stick around for a while? Yeah
1: they might be something called milia which are clogged pores but they're just a little bit deeper in the skin so they do tend to stick around for a while eventually they'll shed because we you know continue to shed our old dead skin cells you can speed that up by using something that exfoliates or you can go to a dermatologist for extractions
0: okay thank you
1: sure mom do you get those I think I might have one or two
0: of those.
2: It makes me think of those when some people get bumps on the back of the top of their arms. Is that the same thing?
1: That is more keratosis pilaris, okay. which we consider it completely normal. It's just a variant of normal. And it's where some keratin or dead skin cell proteins get retained in the follicles, where the hair follicles are. And so you can end up with that bumpier texture. All right. How does heat and humidity affect and
2: change our skin?
1: We kind of touched on this earlier with, you know, Mm -hmm. how to change your skincare routine. Because there's more humidity during the warmer months, that means that we don't lose as much moisture from our skin into the air during these months. And so we don't need the moisturizers to be as heavy. We don't need the occlusives to be as heavy um, because we're not as worried about trans epidermal water loss. You can use more active products because your skin isn't as dry. Um, Active ingredients um, like exfoliating ingredients and retinoids and things like that. And Mm -hmm. you can focus more on humectants and emollients. You may not need the occlusives as much.
2: Mm -hmm. Gel-based. So right now, as you know, I had surgery recently. So I have noticed that my skin is dry. Even my hair feels dry. So I started using my humidifier that I usually just, would use in the winter. Does drinking water really help your skin?
1: Yeah, good question. If we're actually dehydrated, then mm-hmm. certainly our skin will get dehydrated too. But in most cases, we're not dehydrated. And so how to keep your skin moisturized is to put the moisturizer on on top. Mm-hmm. So that's been in for our skin, that's really gonna make the bigger difference unless you're actually dehydrated.
2: The humidifier will help with the dry skin in the summer too. Or yeah, not?
1: for sure. Just because you know it's going to increase the humidity in the air, which keeps your skin from losing as much moisture. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, but definitely combine that with using good right. moisturizers with more occlusive since you're dry. So um, make sure you're you're using that perfect combination of humectants, emollients, and occlusives.
2: Which is the CeraVe cream that you were talking about?
1: Yeah, CeraVe is great for that. Cetaphil, vanning cream. Those are probably the three I recommend the most often. Also, Aquaphor is great if Uh you don't mind that greasy feeling. Right. And the other one I mentioned was um, Eucerin roughness relief, which it it just has some mild exfoliation in it, which Mm -hmm. should not be irritating, but it just helps everything penetrate so that you get, you know, nice, soft skin.
0: Let's say we go to the beach or the pool or whatever we're doing and we accidentally get sunburned. What is the best way to treat sunburn? Mom used to, we had an aloe plant and she used to put aloe from the plant on me. Yeah, that's good, actually. So, you know, of course, prevention is better. So
1: focus Mm -hmm. on that. But accidents do happen. So if you get sunburned, topical... Anti inflammatory ingredients like aloe can certainly be helpful. Taking an aspirin can help reduce inflammation. So, that can be helpful. There's also some data that suggests taking vitamin D within um, the first hour or two can be helpful. So, aspirin, vitamin D. You can take a cool or tepid bath to help cool things down and then use a light moisturizer early on in the sunburn. You don't want to use. A heavy moisturizer because it can actually hold the heat in. So you don't want that. As you move on to the dry and peeling phase of the sunburn, then you can use heavier moisturizers. But in the beginning, use lighter ones and use anti-inflammatory ingredients like aloe, like soy. Um, You can even use hydrocortisone if there are some areas that feel particularly inflamed. And um, topical antioxidants also can be helpful for protecting the skin from damage from free radicals.
2: That makes me think of that. Uh, what was that? Lidocaine or what was the stuff that we used to put all over us when we got a sunburn? And then yeah. things with cane ended with yeah. not good for you.
1: Um, I mean, it, it will help. It's something if it's if it's bad enough that it's painful, that certainly will help to numb that discomfort. Um, So it's not really doing anything to heal the skin, but mm-hmm. it's going to help with that with that
0: discomfort Mm, okay and do you take a vitamin d supplement since if we're not going to be getting sun exposure are we all vitamin d deficient
1: (laughs) i do take one regularly I just had my yearly physical about two weeks ago, and my vitamin D level was a little bit on the high side, actually, which I was surprised by. So my doctor told me to slack off on the supplement a little bit, <laughs> which, yeah, made me happy. I, the supplement was certainly doing its job because I'm not getting it from sunshine. <laughs> right. right.
2: Yeah. We have so much information now to share with people, so much from this one podcast. And we want to hear about this for sure. So tell us what's next for you. what's what's the big change that's going on in your professional life right now?
1: Uh, thank you for asking. Yes, so I had been in a practice on the upper East side for the last sixteen years. I also had started my own small practice on Madison between 32nd and 33rd about five years ago, and I have decided to leave the Upper East Side practice and just double down on my location. So I have been working on ramping that up so I can offer cosmetic as well as medical dermatology there, and I can offer some procedures as well. So that has been what I've been working on this spring.
2: That's wonderful. And that's great that you have both, because sometimes, you know, if you go to a cosmetic dermatologist and you have some sort of a rash or, you know, skin tags or anything that you would like to speak to a more comprehensive dermatologist, you have to go to another one.
1: That's right. And I really, I really enjoy doing both. So, um, so I wanted to make sure I I was still able to do both. And um, yeah, and I think it makes it more convenient for for my patients as well.
2: You have to be really smart like you are to be able to oh, do. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, so people would to find you if they were going to set up an appointment, they how would they do that?
1: Yes. So my website is drhadleyking.com D-R H A D L E Y K I N G dot com. And you can even schedule appointments directly through the website. And you can also reach out if you have questions, of course. And I'm also on
0: Instagram, Dr. Hadley King. Wonderful. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for coming on. This was such incredible information. And we highly recommend if you're looking for a dermatologist, you know where to go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And thank you, guys. Such a pleasure talking with you. And thanks for all your great questions.
0: Of course. Thank you for coming back on the show. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We hope you found this helpful. And let us know if you have any other questions. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Finds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month.
2: For Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition, head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.